following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1998's Godzilla, directed by Roland Emmerich, starring Matthew Broderick, Jean Reno, Maria Petillo, Hank Azaria, Kevin Dunn, Michael Lerner, and Harry Shear. Godzilla is a 19. 1998 science fiction monster disaster film co-written and directed by Roland Emmerich. It is a loose remake of the 1954 giant monster classic Godzilla. This film currently holds a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Following the French atomic bomb test in the South Pacific, an unknown creature is spotted passing eastward through the Panama Canal. Scientist Nico Tatopoulos is called in to investigate the matter, and he quickly arrives at the conclusion that a giant, irradiated lizard has been created by the explosions. Godzilla then makes its way north landing at Manhattan to begin wreaking havoc in the big city. Even with the combined forces of the U.S. military to fight the monster, will it be enough to save the people of New York? Okay, Godzilla, what is your history with this? I saw it in the theaters, and I remember not really enjoying it too much. But at the time, I I think I thought the CG was impressive. Yeah, so I saw this in theaters. Kevin, you have a rich, rich history with this, right? You were there, right? No, I never saw this in the theater. Oh. I'll get to why. Yeah, I saw this in theaters. There was the big group of us were all young lads, very excited. Young bucks. About the this new summer blockbuster Godzilla movie. One friend in particular, he- We can name names. We can name names. Former guest spot yeah. on here, Mr. Ryan. Yeah, from The Darkest Hour. He stepped out when he shouldn't have. He was hell-bent on seeing Godzilla with us, despite the fact that he was grounded at the time. What did he do? What a buffoon. What did he, he set fireworks off in his backyard or something <laughs> like that, right? I think that was the story. But yeah, he was grounded but he's like gotta see Godzilla nothing's gonna get in my way so yeah he went he saw it and he like left the movie ticket out or something and his mom saw it and young he was young and foolish young and foolish so yeah I think he got grounded even more oh a fool so this and the fifth element are two movies that all of our friends saw together but I missed both but for two different reasons and I can't remember which was which so either I was sick or I threw a penny at my sister so hard she started crying <laughs> and then I was grounded <laughs> <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> You're a terrible brother. Ah, you wouldn't know. You, you don't have a sister. You know what it's like. Yeah, that's true. Martin? Yeah, I have a sister. Joel's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> For one reason or another, I missed out on this when everybody else did. So I still regret to, <laughs> <wasn't there. laughs> to see this blockbuster classic. Yeah. Uh, did either of you guys watch the Godzilla cartoon? Yeah, and Godzuki. He was in that. I'm talking about the one based on this movie. Absolutely not. I did. Did you ever see that? No, I knew it existed, but I never watched it. Made by the guys who would later go off to make the Men in Black cartoon. Now that. Big Guy and Rusty. Now that. Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah, those are great shows. Godzilla, not so much, but those other things. I I wasn't a huge fan of Extreme Ghostbusters, but Men in Black. You don't know what life means. I think Jigsaw's put you in a trap. (laughs) Force you to watch so you understand the meaning of life. (laughs) Okay, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. 
First up, Matthew Broderick making his triumphant debut on Yeah, It's That Bad. This guy's on Broadway right now. Oh, yeah? How ironic. Interesting. Don't you think? A little too ironic. It is like Ray Yane. On your wedding day? All right. Kevin, what'd you think of this guy? Is this pre or post Sarah Jessica Parker? SJP? Oh, I don't I have no idea. And this oh. is pre SJP Parker. I thought they've been together since 1946. <laughs> you're, you're, together you're, since yeah. the end of World War II. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't buy him as this scientist guy at all. <laughs> he was a bumbling fool and the notion that he was coming up with these kind of brilliant things from time to time was, yeah. was laughable. Matthew Broderick is not a believable scientist. Okay, I'm going to get that out right now, but his line delivery was not that bad in comparison to Saw. I hated his line delivery. They were so... Like, monotone isn't the word for it, but it's like he kept it really low. Like the energy level, really low. He seemed like he was playing an adult Ferris Bueller. Ouch. Like it, He had that, like, teen Teenager air mm, burl, to his speech. Burl. Okay, almost. all right, all right. Nothing was like serious. I didn't understand him. I didn't like it. Did you think he was leading man material? No, I thought he was impotent and weak. Jeez, that's really harsh and really accurate at the same time. That's he came off like a wussy crybaby man. Okay. Oh, like the doctor and saw crying over his dead kid. Yeah. What a weak, Yo, weak, what a baby. weak Only man. a wuss would cry over their dead kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, Jean Renault. He was awesome. Best part of this movie. Is he ever not awesome? He killed it. Killed it, right? Yeah. Was he a regular laugh riot? I did laugh. Did you? He, the only, the few things that made me laugh were from him. Yeah. With the coffee and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. I liked him a lot. He killed this movie. He's, yeah, that guy, man. Ronan? Remember that movie? Yeah, Ronan's a good movie. Awesome movie. <laughs> yeah. One of my life's crowning achievements was seeing that movie in theaters. Yeah, th- that could be a question of the week right then and there. Like, what movies do you feel honored to have seen in theaters? High on my list. I saw Memento in theaters. Yeah. Really? Right? Yeah, I feel really lucky to have seen that. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely the best actor in this movie. Hands down. It's not even a contest. All right, so we're on agreement. He was the king here, right? He was king actor of this movie. Okay, next up, Maria Petillo. She was the love interest woman. She was not good. She would do this thing where she would like tilt her head and like have this like look of, of like confusion. And she kept doing it like over and over again. I just... You weren't having it? She, she wasn't... You didn't like... You didn't think she was charmingly befuddled? No. She's no Hugh Grant. Who is? Yeah, I, I didn't... I didn't buy this, this woman at all. Terrible. I thought world. she was really bad. I thought yeah. she was terrible. I've never seen her before or since. Agreed. I don't know if that's a coincidence. Okay, next up, Hank Azaria. He was overacting. I think that's what they wanted from him. He did a good job with it, but I mean, I'm a Hank Azaria fan, so. Oh, okay. All right, all right. You go, you go deep, huh? way back. Oh, yeah. I don't like the over-the-top New York caricature that they had these people do. Was that it was New York? He's Mo. That, was that a New York? This is Mo we're talking about. Yeah, Mo Sislak. Yeah. Huh? I thought that they were get, making him like a uh, Italian stereotype. They even said it. They even called it. They used a racial they said, epithet. They said W-O. They did. I'm not going to say the last letter. But <laughs> Use your imagination. Yeah, and I was offended by that. Your deep Italian roots? My deep Italian roots, yeah. The one, the one scene in particular, he was terrible, which is when he ran out with the camera the first time. Uh-huh. And, and he it almost stepped on, when Godzilla almost stepped on him. But that was like the big money shot from the trailer. That was horrendous. Yeah? Horrendous. Like, just, he was like, <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, whatever noise he made. He's a caricature of a human being. Yeah, let's go with what you were doing. That's that's the noise he was making. All right. Yeah. I, I thought that the relationship between him and his wife was not funny, even though it was supposed to be... She was the biggest stereotype I've ever seen. Yeah, it was really annoying. Can Maybe you imagine? Ashamed. I mean, that's supposed to be what, what people think we sound like. They're right. <laughs> right, yeah. That's Whenever we're not podcasting, that is exactly what we sound yeah, like. Yeah, these voices are fake. These are radio voices. In reality, we sound like that lady. We sound like women. We all sound like... We sound like middle-aged women. Italian stereotype women. Okay, next up, Kevin Dunn. I hope you guys recognize this guy. He was like the general. Right? Yeah. Remember him? Recognize him? Please tell me you recognize him. Because I saw it immediately. And I stood up, and I cheered, and I had a 21-gun salute in my apartment when I saw him. I was so happy. I recognized him. I've seen this guy before, but I don't know exactly what you're referencing. The triumphant return of Shia LaBeouf's father from oh. Transformers. A couple of losers. What did you think of his performance? He was funny. Even though I don't really think his role was supposed to be that funny. <laughs> yeah, I did not buy this guy for one second as this military general guy. Not for a second. This extremely serious role was hilarious. <laughs> I was happy to have him. Love this guy. Dude. Who knew that 10 years later he'd be eating pop brownies with Shia LaBeouf in the quad at Transformers 2 University. So he's gone a long way. So you bought this guy as the army general. I just like the guy. So You just like him as a person. That's a, so. Yeah. Sir. I think he's a cool dude. <laughs> kind of want to hang out with him. <laughs> Finally, Harry Shear. What do you think? He was the newspaper man. Or the news- <laughs> he was the newspaper delivery boy. <laughs> News reporter guy. He was the anchor man. He was a uh, pompous jerk off. He played the same character that he played in that very same year's The Truman Show. He played a news reporter guy. He's I was ex- going to say he's playing Kent Brockman. He's, he's used that exact inflection and everything. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's what he does. He, he plays an anchor man in everything, almost, I feel like. The role he was born to play. I guess because of his voice. So all in all, A number one. For everybody did a great job. You give everybody a thumbs up, Kevin? No, John Renault. He gets it. He's A number one. Everyone else was... His poor performances yeah, was absolutely B, forgettable. Was B two? C four. D explosive. Three. <laughs> I thought you go for a bingo thing, but <laughs> plastique. Uh, okay, or semtech. All right, all right, let's get into the brief history of Godzilla. When this modern remake was first conceived in 1990, James Cameron was originally offered the chance to direct. When he passed, Tim Burton was connected for a few years, with Joe Johnston's name bandied about for some time also. Paul Verhoeven was going to direct, but he passed in this project. Then, Jean de Bont was attached and set to direct, but his budget for the film, estimated at $150 million, was higher than the studio was willing to pay. After he was let go, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin came in. Roland Emmerich admitted that he did not like the original Godzilla movies. He only agreed to do the project after being promised to be able to do whatever he wanted with the series. Patrick Tatopoulos was contacted early on by Emmerich and asked to design the new Godzilla, later dubbed Zilla. According to Tatopoulos, the only specific instructions (laughs) Emmerich gave him was that it should be able to run incredibly fast. So Kevin, does that name sound familiar? It it does, I I think. I tip my tongue. Patrick Tatopoulos? Yeah, that was Matthew Broderick's character's name. Get it? I got it. Inside joke. You look real tickled. Oh, it's not really an inside joke. Godzilla's traditional look was changed from an erect bipedal dinosaur to a hunched, bent over marine iguana. <laughs> 
Godzilla's color scheme was designed to reflect and blend in with the urban environment. At one point, it was planned to use motion capture from a human to create the movements of the computer-generated Godzilla, but it ended up looking too much like a human in a suit. Godzilla premiered in theaters nationwide in the United States on May 20th, 1998, grossing X amount in domestic ticket receipts. It earned an additional X amount in business through international releases to top out at a combined how much worldwide? 160 million. Oh, this is a big deal. I mean, Puff Daddy had that song. Yeah, yeah which yeah. I had completely forgotten about until it came up during the movie. Yeah, Puff Daddy wrote that song Cashmere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it. That's it exactly. That's yeah, yeah. it. There you yeah, go. That's exactly how I remember it. Do you remember the ads for this thing? Oh, yeah. His foot is bigger than this bus and all that crap. I'm going to say this film made like 300 million. Kevin wins yet again. $379 million in gross revenue. But despite this, it was considered a disappointment at the box office. The film spawned an animated television sequel titled Godzilla the Series, which premiered September 12th, 1998 on the Fox Kids Network. God, I miss Fox Kids. <laughs> in interviews promoting The Day After Tomorrow, Emmerich admitted regretting the production of Godzilla, particularly due to the rushed shooting schedule that was required for- By Matthew Broderick. Yeah, he wanted to get it over with. <laughs> he wanted to go home. He's like, I have a lot of other things to do. I gotta go hang out with Sarah Jessica Parker. I gotta get out of here. Particularly due to the rush shooting schedule that was required for a Memorial Day weekend release and the studio's insistence on not test screening the film. Oh, what a shock. <laughs> what a surprise. However, he defended the film as better than critics gave it credit for, as it was financially successful. And out of all the films he directed, it was the one which parents told him their children enjoyed the most. At its release, the film was much criticized by Godzilla fans the world over. Ken Pachiro Satsuma, the actor who portrayed Godzilla in the second series of films, 1984-95, walked out of a Tokyo screening and told reporters, it's not Godzilla. It does not have the spirit. This movie features more Simpsons voice actors than any other project besides The Simpsons itself. <laughs> Hank Azaria, Harry Shear, and Nancy Cartwright. This film was one of two released in summer 1998 where the top of the Chrysler building is destroyed and plummets to the street below. What's the other one? In 98? Yep. Armageddon. You got it. Legendary Pictures in conjunction with Warner Brothers plans to release a Godzilla reboot in 2014. According to Thomas Tull, chairman and CEO of Legendary, he commented, Godzilla is one of the world's most powerful pop culture icons and we at Legendary are thrilled to be able to create a modern epic based on this long-loved Toho franchise. The press release indicated Legendary plans to focus on more on the Japanese source material with the reboot, largely ignoring the prior 1998 <laughs> incantation. Incarnation. Tall added... I, I prefer it as, a, as like a spell. <laughs> incantation. <laughs> <Victory> incantation. <laughs> Praise Godzilla's spirit. Tall added, our plans are to produce the Godzilla that we as fans would want to see. We intend to do justice to those essential elements that have allowed this character to remain as pop culturally relevant for as long as it has. So, at the Golden Raspberry Awards, Godzilla was blessed with five nominations. Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and it won for Worst Supporting Actress, Maria Patillo, and Worst Remake or Sequel for Dean Devlin. Oh, there you go. Okay, so Godzilla's intro was not typical, yeah, it's that bad. It had a pretty good, I guess, montage that gives us Godzilla's origin in this incantation of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like this opening. Neither did I. It was I don't 25 care. minutes long. 50. It was a movie in and of itself. 
It came out a separate DVD, and when it was over, you had to switch to the actual feature film. It was just constant footage of atomic bombs exploding, iguanas. I can atomic watch bombs exploding, iguanas. I can watch all, that all day. I yeah. can watch that all day long. It was all orange. blowing up, and iguanas yelling at the bombs. Essentially, they open their mouth. Another bomb explodes. <laughs> it's awesome. Did we all see Cloverfield here? Yeah. Yes. I kept thinking of that while I was watching this movie. I feel like Cloverfield is a reaction to this movie. Oh, yeah. It's like they looked at this movie specifically and they did the opposite <laughs> of everything that they did in this. All right, so we meet in a really rapid succession of scenes. We meet the dad from Transformers, Matthew Broderick. He's in that scene that I remember from the trailers and stuff. Like, where's my sample? Like, you're standing in it. And they show a giant footprint. Yep. That was awesome, right? Kevin, you love that. That was pretty cool. So immediately after this, we meet a person that I didn't think I'd ever see in this movie or any movie ever, period. Vicky Lewis from News Radio. Yep. Can I was shocked. You're a diehard news radio fan, right? Oh, yeah. Love that show. Absolutely. She is like a buffoonish caricature, I thought. Yeah, I don't even know what, what she was supposed to be. She was like an over-the-top, oversexed boy crazy. Was she like a paleontologist? She was man-hungry. Yeah, she was. For Matthew Broderick, of all people. Yeah. She was acting like uh, some 5 out of 5 beefcake just walked into her room. <laughs> yeah, her beef meter was jiggling. Oh, yeah. Are you saying that her beef meter was not calibrated properly, though? It was Absolutely, broken. yeah. It was broken. Broderick barely registers a three. Two. <laughs> On his best day. Yeah, Broderick, especially in this movie, he could muster maybe a two max beef blast. Don't you want some bodacious Broderick beef in your belly? I don't know. All I know is that Broderick was <laughs> not going to be able... disgusting! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure how to take that. Is that like a cannibalistic <laughs> thing? Or is that just a homo erotic thing? Right off the bat, they are setting up all these characters to be Michael Bay-esque caricatures. Yep. Like Roland Emmerich is trying to be the next Michael Bay. In the year that Armageddon came out, this guy is outclassed and outgunned when it comes to the goofy stereotype. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, did you guys notice? Yet another movie with a ragtag team of Jokers and Misfits. Yep. I'm sick of it, to be <laughs> quite honest with you. You can't get enough, right? Yeah, just can't get enough. I'm I'm, I'm done. I don't want to see any more movies like this. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, I'm averaging one every three weeks. I'm done. <laughs> I don't think we've Once seen enough. Month. I think Once we need month, more ragtag teams. Are we adding that to the panel? Next to masquerade balls and double crosses. Yeah, I think so. Ragtag teams of idiots. (laughs) You know what was really, really nitpicky for me about this movie? I kept thinking about what our country would actually do if something like this really happened. I thought that too. The entire time I was like, if something like this showed up in Manhattan and nobody knew where it came from, Manhattan's done. They would probably nuke it, to be honest with you. You think so? This thing is 900 feet tall. No, they're not gonna, they're not gonna nuke New York City. There's zero chance of that happening. Do you see how big this creature is? They, you know what they would do? They would wait until it went into New Jersey and then they would nuke it. Yeah, all right. Two birds, one stone. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Doomsday <laughs> sanction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what they wouldn't do. They wouldn't have this one Joker general working with the mayor of New York City to try and figure this out, right? Like, this is a national issue. The entire military would be here. Yeah, like, the president's in charge of this situation, right? I'd say so. Not the mayor of the city? Hmm. Unless it's Giuliani. Okay. We can get Giuliani back. We might even get international support on this because it's just so out of the ordinary. We, we got it in this movie. I would imagine that. Okay, good point. I would imagine if there was an animal like this that exists, they'd be terrified that it would reproduce. There'd be more of them and it would affect the entire structure 
of our planet. Another thing that I was thinking of when I was watching this movie, along with the Cloverfield stuff, I was also thinking about 9-11. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of 9-11 imagery in this. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, it's just the movie is a couple years before that, so, but, you know, we can't really talk to that stuff. But, like, Never. one of the things that I thought was interesting was when Godzilla is stomping around and causing trouble, like, New Yorkers are, like, behaving badly towards yeah. each other. They're looting. Yeah, which is the and complete... polluting, which is not the way. <laughs> Let's hear what Captain Planet has to say. <laughs> no, but that's like you, you're saying what would really happen if this took place. We know what would happen, right? Right, right. The opposite. People do not behave badly. Like they don't push each other down and stuff. No, they like we they saw help. what happens. They yeah, they help so each I, other. I thought that was interesting. So if we just another movie like this, if they make another kind of disaster movie. Is everybody just gonna help each other out? Probably, right? Because that's what happens. We, we won't believe it otherwise, right? Yeah. Right. So when the movie finally moves away from Aruba. Bahamas, Come on, Pretty Mama, Mama yeah. Yeah. Key Largo, Montego, Baby Wanawigo. Yeah, wherever the hell they are when they find this footprint. They're in Kokomo. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there fast and we'll take it slow. That's what he does when he comes to Manhattan. Yeah, yeah he, he has to take it a little slow. Yeah, yeah, he has a giant bamboo like, reclining. <laughs> beach chair. beach for Godzilla yeah, when he comes beach. to Manhattan. One of the things that was a massive, simultaneous groaner an eye roller for this man was was when we cut to New York and at the bottom instead of it saying New York City it said the city that never sleeps yep yep (laughs) yep I was like what the hell are they doing This is a sign that they're not taking this seriously, right? This is a joke. This right? is one giant joke. <laughs> and you're a sucker for paying to see this. <laughs> they're just pointing and laughing at you. The city that never sleeps. All right, sure. <laughs> No one ever sleeps in that city. Yeah, they were up 24 hours a day in this movie, (laughs) running around. All right, so we cut to this old, old man. And I'm talking, he must have been 7,000 years old. (laughs) He looked so old and frail and cartoonish. He was so old, right? Like a skeleton. Yep. And he was walking up to- Crypt Keeper. He was the Crypt Keeper. He was walking up to the the river's edge to do a little fishing. Yeah, he was fishing in the uh, the East River, the Harlem River, the Hudson River. He he walked on to Harlem River Drive, stopped highway traffic. (laughs) This fishing pole. (laughs) Cast out. So he's out there fishing, and he's like, oh, I caught a fish. Caught a fish. And then a big... That he did not say. Bulbous thing bursts from the water, and it moves towards him, right? This (laughs) Godzilla is swimming towards this guy. Didn't it look almost like a giant Batman? Yes, it did. Like, (laughs) oh my... (laughs) Whoa. Kevin. It did. It's like... (laughs) Had a pointy ears and his head. <laughs> the world needs a giant Batman. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? That that Batman would be 2,000 feet tall. <laughs> you would get things done, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, so Godzilla swims towards this guy in the dock. What was going on with the speed at which this man was running in comparison <laughs> to the speed at which Godzilla was moving and all the right. way the water was reacting? Yeah, How is that so, possible? So Godzilla is swimming at 3,000 miles a second. Right. And this old man, this old man who's so old and frail he could barely pick up his fishing pole, he starts sprinting <laughs> like an Olympic-level runner off the dock, and while the, and the pier starts exploding, I laughed and laughed. Laughed 
and laughed at this. <gasps> yeah, this looks really stupid. I remember this whole thing from the trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I'll give this movie some credit. It only took 25 minutes for Godzilla to show up. Okay. That's something, right? I mean, for movies yeah. like this, you would have thought Godzilla would have showed up at an hour and a half in. Yeah, so, oh, all right, he, so he shows up. What do you think of the way Godzilla looks? Now, that's an interesting question. Very interesting question. From the side, I think he looks cool. From the front. From the front, he looks absolutely <laughs> stupid. What do you think of his calves? His They're, legs. What, what do you think of his legs? Five out of five beef. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> He's a lizard, right? He's an iguana. Radioactive iguana. Sure. Why does he have human legs? That's a good question. Why is why is he running around like a person? Yeah, I mean, they seem to be caught between making a, a creature that looked like the, the Godzilla that we all know and love and this convoluted story of it being a radioactive iguana that somehow has grown to be five billion times bigger than a normal iguana. So they kind of meshed it together and they've got this thing that doesn't really look right, in my opinion. It looks, I'm just, it just doesn't look like that would be a functioning animal. Like it would tip over? Yeah, like its, its head was like 50% of its body weight. Yeah. It was, the head was huge. It looks like it would fall forward. What do you think of the CG effects? At times it looked good. It did. And then there were times where it looked very plasticky and, and poor. Now that's the thing. I was considering that. I was thinking about that. You know, when we watch these movies, we have to try to put ourselves into the era. Yeah. And it, it's just so hard to do that, you know? I know at the time, I thought this movie looked great. Yeah. So did I. I thought it was awesome looking. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, to look back now at this and to criticize it, it, it it's hard to do. I think back to Jurassic Park, which was five years before this. Yep. You look back at that movie now, and a lot of those dinosaurs, they look kind of plasticky. Right. But I let it slide. That movie gets a pass. Oh, yeah. Is it because that was the first? Or is that just because it's a really good movie? Maybe a And we just let it slide. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's the latter. It's a really like, like good movie. Like, if Godzilla was a legitimately, like, thrilling, good movie, would we let these cheesy yes. effects just go? Absolutely. Yeah, because I would be so invested in the story that I would just suspend my disbelief that much more. I would say the worst part about this new Godzilla is the way he looks from the full frontal... Like that, his yeah, his face, right? Yeah. It, it looks like a dumb box, grin. Right? Yeah, it's this big boxy grin, right? Yeah. Stupid. Oh, okay. So when Godzilla arrives, we get a little sneak peek at Mayor Ebert and his buddy Siskel. What do you guys think of this? Uh, Come on, you, you were laughing and yeah, laughing. I groaned. Right? I groaned. Yeah. I thought it was really stupid. I bet you, as a kid, you probably would have thought that was funny and cute and clever. I doubt it. Yeah, as a little kid, we all thought that them ridiculing renowned movie critics from Chicago. <laughs> Is really funny. So Hank Azaria is he plays a cameraman that works with the love interest of the film and she and him are at some kind of cafe or something when Godzilla comes running by. So he runs out, gets his, his video camera and starts chasing after Godzilla, which I'm sure everyone would have done in that situation, right? 900,000 foot dinosaur, dinosaur looking thing you chase after it. So he runs out there, he's in the middle of the street and all of a sudden Godzilla starts coming at him and he Godzilla goes to put his foot down and it looks like he's about to crush Hank Azaria and he just misses him. He's right in between his toes. Yeah, he pulls a toe jam and earl. And then Godzilla keeps going, and Hank Azaria then <laughs> proceeds to whine, groan, scream, <laughs> convulse. Simultaneously. For just... 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, the camera just slowly zooms in while he's just freaking out. Oh my god, there was so much that in this movie, right? Yeah. Where the camera's focused on someone, yes. and all of a sudden it like zooms in. It does a thing where like the background zooms out, and the person stays. Well, Godzilla disappears. They lose track of him yeah, completely. Pull, pulls a Houdini. He's the world's biggest animal and it disappears in New York. Yep. They don't know where he went. So Matthew Broder comes up with this genius plan to lure him out using 500 billion gallons of fish. <laughs> 
That is how that, that, that is how you would They're measure puree. that. Yeah, that, that is how you would measure that. Yeah, that was gallons of fish. So they uh, they just pick some random spot and they throw like tons of fish there, and they're all just hanging out waiting for Godzilla to show up. Matthew Broderick's like, "Hey, he disappeared. He's probably underground. Let's pull all the sewer plates up. He's got to smell it. Yeah, he's got to sniff fish. Which would insinuate that he's in the sewer system. This animal is a thousand feet tall. He's ten trillion feet tall. How is he getting into the sewers? Don't you know sense. that Manhattan is hollow underground. Oh, you're Completely right. Completely hollow. Yeah, it's a geode. It was built in a giant <laughs> geode. So God, God, Godzilla gets to the pile of fish, eats all the fish. By the way, did you notice that one of those military men, they took a t- the time to draw a giant fish on the radar for the fish pile? I did notice that. It's a real joker there, huh? Yeah. I'm glad we have some funny guys serving in our taxpayer dollars. Yeah, in our nation's armed forces. In any case, <laughs> he's attacked by the military, he breathes fire, and a lot of, a lot of his antics around the city got me thinking, where is he taking a dump his and doo-doo? what is it going to do to the city? How are they going to remove it? We can all agree that his poo-poo is radioactive, right? Is it? Radioactive sludge comes out of that beast. Yeah, Godzilla's poop is radioactive. I so- say it's completely acidic. Like, it would burn you <laughs> if it touched your skin, right? <laughs> Like, they, there would just be bone hanging. Yeah. It just melts through the city streets. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's burning holes everywhere. He it, weapons-grade duty. So the military is chasing Godzilla with their helicopters. To me, this looked like Back to the Future, the ride. Like, the way this was shot. The, the camera computer. flying through a bunch of miniatures. Yep. The computer in this scene, their targeting computers, reminded me of the Death Star trench run. They were identical to that. So, eventually, the army, they're working on Godzilla. They're, they're tracking him down. They... They got top-secret tapes. Top-secret. Walther has made a top secret tape. Oh, thank God for that movie. They decide to make another fish pile this time in like Central Park. Make it even bigger and better than ever before. They lure Godzilla. He comes out. Godzilla like sees the tanks and he's like, I ain't going in there. There's no way. These guys keep shooting at me. So he runs away. He gets chased and he jumps into the river. There's submarines in, in the river. Kevin, when I was watching this sequence with Godzilla and the subs, I couldn't help but flashback to Channing Tatum floating around underwater in G.I. Joe. Rise of Cobra. Oh my gosh. Because this sequence with Godzilla is equally fake. All the subs are CG, yep. water CG, everything is crap. What did you think of the sequence? It was bad looking. But again, like we said before, I have to put myself in 1998. Was this really that bad for that time? I'm not even going to say that the effects are bad or whatever. I just think that the scene is bad. Like it's bad, the poorly it's, shot. It's, it's not interesting. It's stupid. Yeah. Th- they do things that are stupid. Like these are trained professionals in these subs. They wouldn't be like staring at each other shooting missiles at each other basically shooting at each other two submarines shoot each other down accidentally this makes no sense but uh, anyway eventually they lock on to Godzilla shoot Godzilla how are they locking on to this thing blow it up what does that even mean we've locked on to Godzilla I don't even know. What does he have, like, thrusters coming out of his ass? Yeah, I guess so. He's got a heat signature? Radioactive poo. Big turd hanging out. They make a point of saying that he's cold-blooded and that they can't lock on to him. But 7,000 times they say, we're locked on. (laughs) It drives me nuts. (laughs) That's definitely true. (laughs) But yeah, eventually they blow him up, right? They hit him with the missiles. The subs get him. Yeah. He's dead. This is 
we're like an hour and hour, 15 minutes yeah, in, into the movie right now, right? This could be the end. It felt like it was the ending. It did. It you, should have been. That is a really good point. It should have been the ending. We came to the Godzilla movie in 1998 to see Godzilla. Yep. Not to see what's about to happen next. No. So they shoot Godzilla a couple times. He dies, I guess. They have this awful looking slow-mo scene where Godzilla's like twirling and pirouetting underwater. Again, I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. There's something about people falling in slow motion that makes me <laughs> laugh out loud. It happened in Batman Forever and happened in this. Okay, can we talk about this subplot with the girl stuff? Is it? I can't, I can't even call it that. Is it a subplot? Is just a really, plot? really briefly, I, I just want to point out that this, they say that this woman and Matthew Broderick were lovers in college, right? Matthew Broderick wanted to marry her, but she just left. No call, no show. She didn't show up for work the next day. Yep. She should get fired. Yeah, so she just left him at the altar like a buffoon. She ran off, left him hanging. All right, so he hasn't seen her in like eight years. They, they meet up again and she seduces him and then steals the top secret tape and uses it to out him. She, she, had, she had no, no right. She had absolutely no right, no to, right to out him <laughs> in front of the media like that. Am I supposed to care about this woman at all? She's a bitch. And they have so much screen time for her. She's completely unlikable. Yep, agreed. She I has totally no agree. redeemable characteristics. None whatsoever. None. And at the end of the movie, even when she tries to redeem herself, I'm like, no, not enough. There's no reason for us to root for them to get together. None. Which is what this movie wants you to do. Yeah, like when they're together, like sad music plays. Like, what are you doing? This is crap. Yeah. Okay, so after all this crap, Matthew Broderick has a hunch. He goes to the nearest pharmacy. He buys a pregnancy test and he administers a pregnancy test to Godzilla. What'd you guys think of this? (laughs) (laughs) This was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in film. He took Godzilla's blood? Semen? Blood? I don't know. It was either blood or saliva, right? Yeah. He didn't get Godzilla's piss. Did he? No. And somehow uses that to test if it's pregnant. First off, why would he even think this? Why would there be an abnormal amount of pregnancy hormone in Godzilla's saliva or blood? Especially if it's reproducing asexually. I gotta think the biology wouldn't be the same. Well, what I mean, a pregnancy test is what? Looking for an elevated level of progesterone? He, he said it was something like that, right? Yeah, but right. do mammals and reptiles have the same thing going on? Doesn't seem likely to me. No, it's similar. And I, I would think that the hormones would actually be almost identical. But I, I don't think that you'd be able to get it from its saliva. This whole thing's bogus. I don't know. I mean, it might it, it, it might work. I don't freaking know. No, zero chance that this works. This movie was okay up until this point. I agree. And it flies off the rails completely. Yep, I agree. To make a long story short, Matthew Broderick is enlisted by the French Secret Service? French, they're what? French CIA? French MI5? I think it was French Secret Service, right? Yep. Okay. And since France did the nuclear testing, they feel responsible for this creature destroying New York, and they want to help. Matthew Broderick gets his second chance to find the eggs that Godzilla is laying, and it turns out that Godzilla is laying eggs in Madison Square Garden. Okay, those eggs were all over that building, right? Right. Godzilla is 10 trillion feet long. How did it get it? How did he get in there? And I'm assuming the eggs come out of his butt. (laughs) Yeah. Right? That's the only logical way. Yeah. So did he, from underground, just stick his ass in Madison Square Garden and just, like, blasted them out (laughs) all over the place? Yeah, that's exactly how it happens. Well, I mean, it's not not like it crawled into it. It's not, it's too big. Yeah, it looks like Godzilla daintily picked them up in his hands and placed these eggs, like, in, gingerly all over the place. In, like, the stands and... Yeah. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. It's a joke. This whole thing is just ridiculous. They just didn't want to make a Godzilla movie, right? That's what this comes down to. He said it in the history, right? And that's just obvious. This guy, they were just using that name. They wanted to do Jurassic Park in Manhattan. 
and exactly. exactly. Yeah, so they're in Madison Square Garden. There's 10 billion eggs all over Madison Square Garden. They're enormous. They're nine feet tall. Of course, what happens? These eggs start to hatch. I was shocked, weren't you? Yeah, I could not believe my eyes. I thought that they were all going to be infertile. <laughs> yeah, so little baby Godzillas burst out of all the eggs. They're running around. They're having hijinks. I know that they're like newborns, right? But as we know from Twilight Eclipse, newborns are the most, most powerful and most deadly. <laughs> <laughs> they all hatched at the exact same moment. Yeah, it was synchronized. Yeah, that was really convenient, right? As if they were all laid at the exact same moment. Sure. Yeah, so these Godzilla Junior Juniors were running around Madison Square Garden. These are Godzilla Junior Junior Juniors. These are tiny sure. compared to Godzilla. And at first, all the humans are just kind of watching. And they're like, hey, look at this thing. They're not scared at all. I would have freaked out immediately. I'm out of here. Peace. Gone. What if there's, I mean, these things got to weigh what? 600 pounds? <laughs> yeah, as soon as the first. And they have giant razor sharp teeth and they can run at like 60 miles an hour. As soon as I even hear one of those things in the egg, I'm gone. I don't want to be around for that. But yeah, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we smell like fish. Oops. You don't need to smell like fish, buddy. Your food. These things are coming after you no matter what you smell like. Yeah, so this whole sequence of events with Madison Square Garden and the baby Godzillas felt like it went on for 17 hours. 18 hours. Is that an exaggeration? They were constantly (laughs) closing doors and locking doors and opening doors. It reminded me of Doom with like the room <laughs> yeah. checks and ready for room to room. Kevin, what did you think when some of our favorite characters ran into the Knicks locker room and they said, this is where the Knicks go to lose after every game? <laughs> they lose in the showers. <laughs> what do they lose? Their virginity? Like, what are you talking about? This is where the Knicks go after they lose every game they play here. Yeah, very funny. Knicks Huber. You were laughing it up. I could hear you from 10 towns over. You were yucking it up. Yeah, I was yawning and snoring and Z's are coming out of my head and yeah. whatever stupid imagery you can think of. I was really bored at this stuff. The only thing I cared about was that our boy, Jean Renault, Jean Renault got out of that building. The rest of them could have sat down and waited to be blown up for yeah. all I cared. I wanted Jean Renault to shoot Matthew Broderick <laughs> and run over his corpse <laughs> and escape. <laughs> When they were escaping from Madison Square Garden, did these baby Godzillas run around in a, like a comedic way where like bat- they're slipping on basketballs? And they did do that. Like, I, I felt like they were going to start playing carnival-esque music where it was like... <laughs> it was silly. It reminded me that of the, the whole scene in Jurassic Park when the, the raptors are in the kitchen. I thought of... Right. They, yeah, I thought of that. They just recreated that thing over and over and over again. This whole 20 five minutes we spent in Madison Square Except Garden. The, when like, Jurassic Park did it, that had tension. Yeah, yeah. They're like, let's create that scene, but take the suspense out and throw in a bunch of basketballs and we'll have it last for 45 minutes straight. Well, whatever. Long story short, they get out. I wish it was a long story short because the movie continues. They blow up Madison Square Garden in a fiery blaze all the little baby Godzilla are dead. Hey, but guess what, Kevin? Double cross. Godzilla tricked us. We thought he was dead, but he wasn't. How's that a double cross? He tricked us. How did... <laughs> what... what? <laughs> Why is he here? We saw him get blown up. On the other side of the... (laughs) On the other side of the earth. He was in the water, right? And he got blown away. It's because the military was bumbling buffoons. They didn't want to go get the body. If I was in the military, I would not be happy with the way that my organizations portrayed in this film. These people are getting executed for treason, right? For the way that they handle this situation. (laughs) (laughs) They should be. Yeah, so guys, let's just burst out. How how many people died in this, I guess, attack? Billions. All by their own hands. I was actually thinking about this. Only three or four people actually get eaten in this movie. A few people get stepped 
slept on. Yeah, I, I would have thought it's been insinuated more that like a lot more people were killed. Yeah, when he but the Godzilla the, burst through a building, all yeah. people are dead. Yeah, the way the way that the mayor and the military is handling this, they don't seem to be like really upset by the amount of people that are getting killed by this thing. They're just like, we gotta do something. The, the, all the mayor wants to do is let people back into the city. He's hell bent on getting people back in the city to be eaten. He should be executed for treason. Martin, you're just dying to execute someone for treason right <laughs> I now. I am. I am blood hungry, bloodthirsty. So yeah, Godzilla, I'm blood hungry and thirsty. Godzilla pops up from beneath Madison Square Garden. I was just uh, like, come on. One last <laughs> Hey, guys. <laughs> What's going on, guys? There's this whole long chase sequence where they're in a taxi. This is so dumb. I have one interesting fun fact about this taxi chase, Kevin. All right, let's hear it. So, because I'm dying for something to be interesting at all about this taxi chase. Okay, let's see what you think about this. Matthew Broderick gets a message out to one of the military guys. The military guys goes to the taxi company and he has a list of all the taxi drivers, right? Yeah. One of the names that's on the list that the camera kind of focuses on is Len Wiseman. Does that sound familiar? Nope. Len Wiseman worked on Godzilla. He was in the art department. Len Wiseman would grow up to be the director of Underworld. He would marry Kate Beckinsale and then direct the Total Recall remake. It's in theaters today. This guy sounds like one of life's wow. winners. That's a hell of a turn, right? Good, good, for, him. good for him. Yeah, well done. Martin, if only you could marry Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> that's, still, that's still a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Godzilla chases these people around Manhattan. He's then led on a ridiculous car chase through the Brooklyn Bridge, where he completely demolishes it and then jumps on the top tower of it. Yeah, he gets tangled in wires and they just shoot him like a sitting duck. Well, before that, he grabs the taxi with his mouth yep. and crushes it. He does, with yes. With people inside. We're in his mouth, they scream, right? And then they drive out of it. Then, what is Broderick, like, a, shocks him or something? He electrocutes him from the inside. I don't even know how that happened, but... <laughs> He's like, going it. And Jean Renault steps on the gas and they fly out of Godzilla's mouth as if they were driving for a mile and went <laughs> off of a ramp. <laughs> like, if they hit, if he hit the gas and they went out of, just out of his mouth, wouldn't the thing have just fallen out and Lobbed went straight out. down and no. they would all have been murdered? But no, they flew out. They flew for 500 feet parallel to the ground. Thousand, he hit the NOS. Yeah. What a joke. <laughs> When I saw that, I was just like, God, this is a total lack of effort. Like, this is stupid. That taxi uses the Unreal Engine. Yeah. Were you cheering back in 98 when you saw this? You were cheering. Come on, Kevin. I don't rem- I don't remember. It's so long ago. I don't uh, remember what sound, I thought. That sounds like you remember you were cheering. Yeah, you were moving and grooving in your seat. I don't know. I don't know that, it, that, that that really bothered me as much back then, but man, that was stupid. Okay, so Godzilla is then shot while he's in the Brooklyn Bridge. This is a really, really long and unnecessarily annoying scene. They shoot him six million times. Okay, so Godzilla dies really slowly and drawn out. It's at this point where it rains harder than it has ever rained on the planet Earth. And... Yo, did you see that shot with the rain? Yeah. And, and, and like, Matthew up. Broderick is there, and like, you can't even see his face. It's just, the rain is like blocking out his face. I know, it rained harder than it's ever rained on planet Earth in that scene. Then they play, they play this homage to the death of King Kong, where you hear his heartbeat really slowly. He looks at Matthew Broderick. Who was the like, if they were presented with a golden raspberry for best screen couple, would it have been Matthew Broderick and Godzilla? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're making out. Yes. I, I felt so bad for Godzilla. That's, that's that's what they wanted. They were going for a Death of King Kong thing, right? Where, like, you can hear the heartbeat slowing down. And then it looked like he was powered electrically. Like, his eye had a glow to it. And yeah. then it, like, became dull. What the his, hell was that? His spirit left his body. <laughs> Shut up. 
<laughs> he went to Godzilla heaven. Shia LaBeouf was up there. Yeah. With yeah, the yeah, yeah. Robo heaven. Were we supposed to root for the humans to defeat Godzilla? I don't think so. This was a really hollow victory when they cheered. I was like upset. But we're talking about a monstrous animal that's killing people. But it's not its fault. It's not maliciously killing people. It's just like a lost animal, right? Yeah. If this is happening in the real world. Yes. Would you be cheering for the humans? Yeah, I would be. But we spend more time with, with Godzilla than anybody else. Like We get to know him more than all these other people. He has more personality than that. Yeah. He's a way better actor than like, Matthew Broderick in this movie. Okay, so this movie finally, and I do mean finally, comes to a close. It is so long. But hey, Kevin, you get a brief glimpse of what's to come. Apparently they missed an egg. That 10-ton atomic bomb they dropped on Madison Square Garden missed an egg. Yeah, so apparently Godzilla, who's 6 billion feet tall, was able to lay an egg in a closet? How did that happen? <laughs> How did that get in there? Did someone that, carry it on? on that, did someone have a man truck and they just wheeled it in? That goes to my theory that Godzilla stuck his ass in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> he farted really hard and eggs splattered everywhere. It, that egg looks like I can't it, was argue placed, it. it was placed by someone in there. Yeah, so one last Godzilla baby wakes up. I guess it's going to happen all over again. I don't know. Who cares? The end. That's Godzilla 1998. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. One must carefully repress intelligent thought while watching such a film. The movie makes no sense at all, except as a careless pastiche of its betters. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin's big-budget lizard stomps Manhattan disaster flick has been written with the brain-dead in mind. The script isn't just dumbed down, it's lobotomized. Godzilla lives and dies on special effects alone. James Berardinelli, Real Views. And finally, so clumsily constructed, it feels as if it's two different movies stuck together with an absurd stomping finale glued onto the end. The only question worth asking about this $120 million wad of popcorn is a commercial one. How much further will the dumbing down of the event movie have to go before the audience stops buying tickets? Stephen Holden, New York Times. That's a hell of a question, huh? We're still wrestling yeah, with that. Yeah, we haven't figured that out we, yet. We've yet to hit bottom, Stephen Holden. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 20 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. But is it really that bad? Absolutely. This movie is an hour and a half too long. The story is incoherent, makes no sense, and there's no acting in it. Granted, for the time, the special effects were probably really good. But it can't. I can't survive on that alone. This movie is not entertaining. It's. I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's just too long and boring. I'm going to give this movie a 2 out of 5. I think 26% is fair. Yeah, it's a bad. I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5, too. This movie, technically speaking, is a good movie. It looked good. It we say that a lot well. on this show. The effects were very good at time, but there was no effort at all in any other aspect to make a good movie. And yeah, that review is completely right. This felt disjointed, like two different movies were thrown together. They really dishonored Godzilla. So that guy How dishonorable. <laughs> Gojira. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. How did we let that slide? Oh my God. Kevin, what about the 10,000 times in this movie where we saw that old man going, Gojira? Gojira with the fire in his face. Who was lighting fire in his face? Who was filming that? (laughs) 
so there's like this film clip of this old man in a bed going, Gojira, Gojira. We see it 10 trillion times in this movie. Every At other least. frame was that scene in the movie. Kevin, what was going on with this? I really don't know. It was, so that guy was on the Japanese tanker that's in the very opening of the movie. I can't believe he almost let that slide. John Renault is there. He has the fanciest cigarette lighter I've ever seen. Kind of like torch almost. Worthy of a man of that stature. The Japanese guy's like catatonic. And then John Renault's waving the flame <laughs> in front of his eyes in a threatening manner, <laughs> I guess. Is he going to light him on fire if he doesn't talk? Yeah, I didn't get that. And oh, the, the guy turns, he's like, Godzilla! Godzilla! Clearly, and I do mean very clearly during that sequence of events, when we see the old man, it's from Jean Renault's perspective, right? It's his point of view. Absolutely. He's looking down at the old man. Absolutely. And when we see the old man's face, it's from Jean Renault's POV. It's from his eyes. He's looking right at you. Yet, when we see the footage of this old man going, Gojira, Gojira, it's from Jean Renault's perspective. Is he a robot? <laughs> <laughs> Did they get like the film from his brain? What is this? I was gonna give this movie a three out of five, like a low, 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 low three. Yeah, no thanks. Gojira, <laughs> two out of five. <laughs> 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 That's all I gotta say. Two out of five. This was a crap. This is too long. Yeah. That's that, my number one complaint, I think, with these bad movies is that they just go on for so yeah, like freaking stealth. long. These big summer blockbusters, they don't know when to quit. So they get this big budget and they feel as if they have to use every penny of it, I guess, and put it all on the screen. Movies like this should be 88 minutes to 90 minutes long max. Absolutely. Max. If you can't write a story that has nothing in it, there's nothing happened in this story you can this story could be condensed to a 10 minute youtube clip or something right yeah. not, not even i could condense this movie to four sentences okay <laughs> you're right kevin this happens over and over and over like lost in space yep. it's just like this 98 yeah what every why it's does every movie it's, 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 it's so not 98 though it's still going on this is still yeah happening. i know this is still going on today why do filmmakers feel like every movie they make has to be this two and a half hour long epic i really don't know i don't feel like i'm getting my money's worth right maybe that's what they're thinking like that they paid their money. Let's give them two hours and a half hours. Like, let them have their money's worth. I feel like I'm being cheated because that's time I could be using for other things. You know? It really goes against the idea of, of what, leaving people wanting more. Yes. You know, you know, films have to have a good rhythm to storytelling. That's like a huge part of storytelling is having a good pace that the story progresses at. And when you have such a short, empty, barren story, you know, like, this is a really straightforward story. You don't need a lot of character development because it's an event flick, okay? It's a monster movie. Movie. Condense it down to 80 minutes because if you stretch it out for two and a half hours long, it is. It's like torture. You have to stay and sit through these long periods of idiotic boredom to get the story. <laughs> it's it's really insulting and annoying. This movie is endemic of everything that's wrong with bad summer blockbusters. You want to watch a bad summer blockbuster? This is a really good one to see. I wouldn't even consider myself like a Godzilla fan. I can only imagine how bad this movie is to someone who considers themselves a Godzilla fan. Yes. This is probably blasphemy, I'd imagine. Yeah. Right? They should teach this movie in film school. Don't do this. Everything they did in this movie was wrong. Don't do it. I disagree. Oh. No one should see this if they want to make film at the mere chance that it might sink into their brain oh, okay. and influence Inspire any them. of their decisions yeah. in any way. Yeah, you don't want this influencing future filmmakers. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Hey, Joel, Kevin, and Martin. Yesterday, my ears were treated to a real feast. Not only was there the regular episode of Yeah, It's That Bad, but also a bonus episode and a movie for which I have passionate hatred, Avatar, The Last Airbender. 
I urge everyone to buy this immediately since it more than upholds the high, 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 high quality standards set by Yes That Bad. I was laughing within minutes, much to the surprise and chagrin of my fellow commuters on the train. There was, however, a glaring omission in the discussion, which I feel needs pointing out. In the debate about which kind of bending is the most powerful, all of you failed to mention the most powerful bending of all, gender bending. <laughs> that is That is true. Perhaps the mere idea of there being a last gender bender <laughs> was so atrocious and antagonistic a thought to the folks over at Yes That Bad World Headquarters, always ardent advocates of this most treasured of tropes. If this isn't the case, then I guess there must be a lengthy section of the show lying on the cutting room floor, perhaps deemed too shocked for mortal ears. This leads me to my question to you fine gentlemen. What movie that features gender bending is your favorite. My own favorite is Dead Again, starring gender-bending veteran and yes, that bad alum from Wild Wild West, Kevin Branagh. I won't say too much about it since there are a bunch of plot twists along the way. Thanks for the show, Yannick from Denmark. The last gender-bender. So does he have to do like the, the bending dance to turn into a woman? <laughs> I hope so. What's your favorite gender-bending movie? I can't even think of one. I don't know. Just one of the guys? The animal? Does that count? Rob Schneider? No. He turned yeah, yeah. into a woman. Did he? Did he? Oh, I'm, wait. The hot chick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> the same thing. Okay. Blizzom Buddies. Jimmy Johnny Jojo Jimenez. Is that his real name? <laughs> he writes it. It says, Martin, this is why you thought the music in Saw sounded like a Nine Inch Nails soundtrack. It's because Charlie Klauser, the guy who did the music for Saw, was a part of Nine Inch Nails until 2000. Yeah, nice. Adam writes in and says, do you guys remember remember the show Are You Afraid of the Dark? If so, did any of you watch it and did you like it? Also, this question has plagued me recently, or I guess as plagued as one can be by a question. Joel, do you ever get tired of regurgitating those directions at the end of the show, informing us listeners of the ways in which we can find you, follow each of you, and like you on Facebook and on iTunes? You do it with such ease that it's led me to wonder if you have just memorized the directions, or are you left reading them from a card, or what? You have your teleprompter. (laughs) Yeah. P.S. Barring Martin's initial disdain for the Hitler all-hands-in way of voting in official Yes That Bad podcast business, I mirror recent sentiment for the triadic voting method. Adam, are you afraid of the dark? Listen, I think all of us here know about Mr. Sardo. That's accent on the dough. Don't you forget it, Kevin. Yeah, I, I watched Are You Afraid of the Dark all the time. Favorite episodes? Pinball Machine. That's one of my favorites. Mm, That's that one of the one. dumbest episodes, I think. I love that, that was episode. good. What do you think? I don't know. My absolute favorite, I don't know if it's my favorite episode, but it's the only episode of that show that scared me, legitimately scared me and un, you know, you know, scared isn't the right word. It unnerved me, which is worse than being scared, right? Yeah. To, like to have that feeling. Yeah. yeah. It takes away your idea of like <laughs> reality and comfort. You feel like all of a sudden vulnerable. And There's an episode w- with Sardo in it where the kids have these three, uh, these x-ray specs. And when he puts on the glasses, he sees these shadowy silhouette figures running around. And at the end of the episode, they do this seance to banish the silhouette people but it backfires and instead that they get trapped in the darkness dimension and the silhouette people overrun our world at the end like the kids are just left in a void like a black nothingness left to die the Phantom Zone that is such a dark ending it's so bleak I remember that really really bothered me as a kid that's a good episode now I watch it and I laugh laugh and laugh how stupid it is (laughs) Daniel writes in and says just listen to the podcast for the third Transformers movie and you all agree Michael 
Michael Bay makes a beautiful movie and point out the crappy shaky cam and the quick cuts are gone from the second movie, I agree the third movie is beautiful, but the real reason for this is that it's shot in 3D. You cannot do shaky cam or cut camera angles every two seconds when shooting in 3D. It wouldn't work. I believe that 3D helps us against the evil Paul Greengrasses of the world who overuse shaky cam. What do you think? That's is that what that interesting is? Interesting idea. It's limiting the director's ability to use that technique or certain techniques that are just, I mean, in my opinion, they're distracting or they're used too much. Yeah, that's, that, that's a really interesting idea. Forcing Michael Bay to use this camera that he can't shake around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. The, the, the producers of the movie are like, you have to use this 3D camera. He's like, but I can't shake it. I know. <laughs> DJ Clive writes in and says, I was hoping you could sort out something which has puzzled me for a long time. It's about the movie Watchmen. Not since Napoleon Dynamite has a movie been more polarizing. Now I can totally understand why casual moviegoers may not have cared for the movie. They were probably expecting X-Men and instead got something more gritty and violent. That's fine. I get it. But what I don't understand is why so many fans of the original graphic novel hate the movie. To me, I see very little difference between the two. In fact, I thought the detail in recreating the scenes from the graphic novel panel for panel was spot on. It did a good job bringing us back to the time period. The actors all looked right. Even much of the dialogue was unchanged. Now, I get the vibe from listening to your show that Martin may be one of those fans who loved the book and hated the movie. I humbly ask why. Not as a Watchmen fanboy, but just as a guy who needs answers. Is it the musical choices? Is it the revamped ending? Or is it the big blue dick? That's how you wrote it with Big Capital. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of reasons, and I got a feeling that we're probably going to review this movie at some point. This is a movie that I would like to do as a premium episode, I think, at right. some point. Agreed. I can say this. The first the first time I saw this movie, I didn't get enough sleep. I read, I reread the graphic novel the week before. So I set myself up to get burned. That's not going to be my final review of the movie, and there are a lot of things I dislike about it, but <laughs> you have to wait and find out. Yeah, I think I did the same thing. I read it right before I saw it. I mean, it's just tough because you're automatically going to compare that movie to what is considered by many people to be the greatest graphic novel of all time and it was never going to be one of the greatest movies of all time right so automatically it was set up to fail when compared to the original work the musical choices were, were bad in my opinion and that ruined a lot of scenes but also you know making a frame by frame shot by shot identical movie to what is in the graphic novel might not have been the best idea I mean maybe it needed to be updated for film and changed a little bit because of that now I'm not talking talking about changing the story, but not necessarily shooting it frame by frame of what the graphic novel was. I think a lot of problems with the frame by frame following the graphic novel and the actual art style is that it takes something that visually is well represented in a two-dimensional way and is set up by limitations on a graphic novel because you're limited in color palette and the way that you can draw. And when you translate it to something when it's having real, it has real people in it, it's going to feel fake and disjointed and you're, it doesn't translate very well to real action. I think that's a huge issue with people that are doing comic book adaptations nowadays. If we ever do review the movie, I'll talk about how this was one of the most important movies I've ever seen in my movie-going career. Because because of The Watchmen, I no longer go to midnight screenings. I do not read the book before the movie comes out. I don't read anything about movies on the internet anymore. I've completely stopped. I don't read movie news sites, anything, because of Watchmen. Like, all these factors completely ruin this movie.
movie for me. Mm-hmm. Like internet hype is a disease and it just destroys movies. But we'll get to that if we ever re- review it. Okay, Megan writes in and says uh, she wants to guess about what we look like. Go for it. I guess Joel might look like Daniel Tosh <laughs> with a little bit longer hair because you sound so similar to him. Kevin, I also picture you looking like Daniel Tosh. I have no idea why. He's just the first image that comes to mind. And Martin, I actually don't have the slightest idea how you might look. I look a little bit like Daniel Tosh. <laughs> we actually all look exactly like Daniel Tosh. We are Tosh. clones of Daniel Tosh. <laughs> and here's my question to you guys. Why don't you ever post photos of yourself? I'm curious to see what you look like. Thanks for taking the time to read this. Megan. P.S. If I had to choose out of the three of you, I would probably marry Joel. He sounds attractive. Yeah, you just <gasps> added that in. <laughs> yeah, alright. Anonymity is like a warm blanket. At this point, it's just fun to keep it dragging on, right? It's just funny. Yeah. There's no reason why we shouldn't, but at this point, you know, we're yeah. too deep in the hole. We have to keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, who cares, right, at this point? Alright, uh, Mila writes in and says, are one out of five movies more fun to watch together than three out of five for you guys? Outright terrible seems like it would be more entertaining than mediocre. You know, for some movies, that's true, but for most, it's not true. I mean, a movie being so terrible, it's funny. Yeah, that's absolutely more enjoyable for me. It's more fun to talk about the one out of fives, for sure. Yeah, not watching not it. Not watching no. it. Uh-uh. No. For example, Amityville Horror. That was a miserable, miserable viewing experience, it right? It was. Miserable. But the discussion had a blast. was one of the best, one of my favorites <laughs> we've ever had. Catch him, kill him. Patrick writes in and says, Martin, Kevin, Joel, I just donated $10, and I can say without hesitation that this was the easiest money I've ever spent. I love your show, and I tell everyone I know to check it out. Thanks. Well, there you go. I'm going to get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler writes in and says, so if we donate $100, $550, or $10 billion, would we in turn be able to request two, 11, or 200 millions episodes? In other questions, have you ever thought about doing live movie commentary that us listeners could put on while concurrently watching a movie at home? Well, you can sponsor an episode with a donation of $50. If you donate $100, which a few patron saints have. Oh, yeah. They're going to get two. We're going to double it up. Double their pleasure, double their fun. (laughs) That sounds like a deal, Kevin. Yeah, for now, right? For now, this is we're still in the trial run of this. Yeah, well, we can't. Yeah, we're we're figuring this out on the fly, kind of. We are seat of our pants. Yeah, but for now, that's what we're gonna choose, right? Yeah, agreed. Because hands hey, up. If you want to give us a hundred bucks, by all means, give us a hundred bucks. We yeah. don't want to stop you. Your yeah. move. All right, thanks a lot. If you want to sponsor a million episodes, feel free. Yeah, we'll call it the Tyler Show. From now on. Okay. uh, For a donation of $1 million, we will rename the show. (laughs) Your name's show. Yeah, okay. Ryan writes in and says, Hey, I am very lazy. Can I pay you something like $100 every six months? You magically send the freshest episodes each week. Failing that, could you call and perhaps play them into my voicemail so I can consume them without having to download them from a site or something? Well, we discussed the possibility of subscriptions, right? We did. Yeah, we did. That was on the table for a while. It was, yeah. We, we decided, decided against it. We decided that at some point we could always go to that if, if this works. If this model... This is a big experiment, right, what we're doing right, right now. Right, right, right. If, if this model didn't work or if it worked well and people were interested in having subscriptions, we could absolutely go to that if there was a need or desire for it. I mean, I, I would think about it this way. We're the French government and you listeners are the French Polynesian islands in which we're dumping our nuclear weapons. Who, they're, they're iguanas? Are they Godzilla in this? What yeah. do you... What? <laughs> what, what, what does this mean? <laughs> What does this mean? Oh, okay. 
<laughs> oh, it's an experiment. That's what you're getting at. Okay. All right. All right. I thought that was a nuclear test. Yeah. So we're still ironing the bugs on this. You know, this is new territory. We're ironing the bugs. Ironing bugs. That makes even less bad. sense than my Godzilla reference. We're squishing bugs with ironing boards. <laughs> that makes perfect sense, right? Yeah, you're on point. <laughs> You're on point today. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is we're still figuring this out, okay? So maybe in the future we might do this if people want it. Same thing with putting the show on iTunes. That's also a possibility, maybe. Because Call me, Joel- maybe. Okay, so TJ writes in and says, Hey guys, I wanted to let you know that I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and after listening to all your episodes, I tend to notice some tropes, if you will. I've noticed so many that I thought up a drinking game that listeners can play while they listen. Here are the rules. Take a shot if anybody laughs hysterically. Anybody makes a reference to the 90s. Any actor makes a triumphant return. If anybody uses alliteration, anybody is called a weak, weak, weak man. If anybody says moving, grooving, or their teeth are like chiclets, <laughs> anybody says gamer. <laughs> If anybody says beefcake, or if my personal favorite, if anybody mentions Dennis Quaid or Nicolas Cage and neither are in the movie, (laughs) (laughs) thanks for the laughs and keep up the good work. Susan writes in and says, greetings. I've been a fan of your podcast since the beginning of 2012, and I've listened to all your episodes over and over while I work, while I game, and whenever I am bored. And I look forward to your episodes every week. When I listened to your Saw episode, I heard that I could support you guys by buying stuff. I was delighted. So I was moving, I was grooving, flying through the air with the greatest of ease towards my wallet when a voice (laughs) that had just calculated that I would have little money the coming school year told me that I actually could not afford one of your t-shirts and I was shot down from the air and immediately had to start wallowing in my own chaotic, insecure delusions. (laughs) But then a fairy came to me. At first I thought it was Tinkerbell, but I soon realized it was indeed the great, the good, the powerful beefcake Dennis Quaid. Take a shot, please, if you will. (laughs) in a dainty fairy costume and he said unto me that I could draw a picture of you guys and show my support. So I hope you forgive me for being a poor, poor, poor woman and feast your eyes upon my interpretation of your looks. Joel was once a poor woman so he's okay. Yeah, gender. I'm a gender bender. Based on your voices. As you can see, Martin is defying all the known laws of gravity as well as apparently being a dwarf and having hairy legs. Some of that is true. Joel seems to be ready to shave them and I hope I conveyed the kind of insane face I I'm sure that he must have, judging by his voice. (laughs) And Kevin became very tall and lanky, which is what I imagine him being judged on by his voice. But don't be fooled. I'm sure that under that green shirt, there is a beefcake off the scales. Whoa, Kevin. I'm sorry this was long, but this is my interpretation of what you guys look like. And I am guessing it is wildly inaccurate, but I hope it gets some laughs at least. You've only shaved my legs, what, five, six times? Yeah, only seven times. And Jordan also writes in and he says, I close my eyes, opened my mind's eye, and came up with the idea of Yes That Bad's weekly comic. Hope you approve. Here's the trailer. I put up almost all the fan art on our Facebook page for everybody to see. Kevin, you saw. I did. You were admiring it. Mm-hmm. So head on over to facebook.com slash Yes That Bad, and you can see all the interpretations of what we look like. So head on over to Facebook and check these out. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And the question comes in from Wesley, and Wesley says, who is your favorite anti-hero? That's a great question. Tyler Durden. That's a good one. Uh, hmm. I mean, Gerard Butler's a great anti-hero. In the Bounty Hunter? No, no, no. In Gamer. The Boondock Saints. Okay, head on over to YesThatBad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, now is the time where we would normally announce the movies for the listener's choice poll. But hey, like we said earlier, we have several new patron saints here at Yes That Bad World Headquarters, which have donated generously to our cause. So I think what we're going to decide to do is that for the time being, the sponsored episodes are going to take the place of the listener's choice episodes until we run out of sponsored episodes and then the listener's choice poll will come back. That makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. So for our first ever sponsored episode comes in from our very own Buxomia, longtime listener to the show. She tossed us a hundred bucks. So she gets a a twofer. So for the first one we're going to do, we're going to do the one that's easier to get on Netflix and that's The Expendables. Now, just to give you a heads up, Kevin poo-pooed The Expendables 2 trailer in the theater hard when we saw Dark Knight. Yep. Perhaps the original will have you dancing, moving, grooving maybe? We'll see. I've never seen it. Me neither. Either have I. So tune in next week when we'll be watching The Expendables, our very first sponsored episode. Perhaps you want to sponsor an episode and decide the fate of our lives here at YesThatBad.com. Do you want to pick what movie we want to watch? Head on over to YesThatBad.com. Click on the donate button. If you donate $50 or more, you can pick the movie we watch. Send us an email telling us what movie you want us to watch or leave us a voicemail telling us and we'll play it on the show. Also, don't forget our latest premium episode, The Last Airbender, is still available at yesthatbad.bandcamp.com. Download it today. You'll also get a free After Dark episode with your download. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends, and you can do that by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yeahitsthatbad. You can follow Martin at yeah, it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at yeah, it's Kevin. You can follow the show at yeah, it's that bad. You can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com slash yeah, it's bad. Put in the promo code yeah, it's bad. You'll be helping out the show. Once again, thanks for listening. See you next time. Oh, it's about the time that we meet Jean Renault. Finally, it's like a breath of fresh sunlight, air, whatever. <laughs> earth. <laughs> like a breath of fresh earth. He was amazing. Jean Renault for president. American, yeah. American president. <laughs> There's only one Frenchman that is capable of leading. Gerard Depardieu. Jean Luc Picard. You know what? You got something there. <laughs> You're out of something. <laughs>